elimination of the drinking is, is that's the ticket to the show. It turns out putting your alcohol and drugs isn't the hardest thing. The hardest thing is changing the way we live. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. Today is January 4th. We've got a special guest from Jacksonville Beach, Florida. Kevin P. joins us. Kevin works in the mental health field as a therapist, and uh, he joins us today to share the daily reflection from January 4th. Begin where you are. Hope you enjoy the episode. Kevin P. from Jacksonville Beach, Florida joins us. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this. Today, we're going to cover the daily reflection for January 4th. Would you start us out by reading the reflection? Absolutely. January 4th, begin where you are. We feel that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. A much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 19. It's usually pretty easy for me to be pleasant to the people in an AA setting. While I'm working to stay sober, I'm celebrating with my fellow AAs our common release from the hell of drinking. It's often not so hard to spread glad tidings to my old and new friends in the program. At home or at work, though, it can be a different story. It is in situations arising in both of those areas that the little day-to-day frustrations are most evident, and where it can be tough to smile or reach out with a kind word or an attentive ear. It's outside of the AA rooms that I face the real test of the effectiveness of my walk through AA's 12 steps. Wow. Isn't that so true? In AA, in the rooms, it's often easy. The real test comes when we, when we find ourselves out in the world. Kevin, tell us a little bit about your sobriety and um, maybe a little bit about your story. And then we'll, we'll talk about why you chose this particular reflection. Absolutely. Um, so I uh, was born and raised in a, in a little town in California that nobody ever heard of called Palo Alto. Uh, until, you know, recently, <laughs> the last 20 years or so. Um, I'm the fourth generation to be born and raised in Northern California. And as far as we can tell, I'm also the fourth generation of alcoholic and addict in my family. Um, I, uh, so let's see, I was born in 1964. And uh, the, so I guess the quickie version is that uh, I was also born into an addicted home. My mother was a prescription drug addict. And so I hit drugs and alcohol when I was about 13 years old and kind of kept things under, not I would say under control, but the damage was minimized until I was 18 and went to college in 1982 at the University of Southern California. And that's when things really kind of jumped off the deep end. And um, I uh, sort of, the short version is that I ended up faking my graduation from college in 1988, and, and you'll have to have me on another time, and I'll tell you the whole story. <laughs> Great. I would take all of time, but I literally, I was a year and a half short. I, mean, I rented the cap and gown, ordered the announcements, the whole thing. Holy cow. That was my big move. Um, I ended up getting confronted in 1990 by my dad, uh, and then I got sober in May of 1991, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. And um, I've been sober ever since. I've been an active member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, I started going to meetings almost immediately. And 
Uh, one of the important things to always remember to say is that through the grace of God and the power of Alcoholics Anonymous, I did graduate from USC in 1994, for real. Congratulations. <laughs> I, then I moved to Denver. Um, and in Denver, I was, had a, I was in sales and then got married and divorced. Uh, and then 2007 kind of had an, a, a sort of another I, 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 a moment of grace where I was miserable. and. I was 16 years sober. I was 43 years old. I was making great money and had great things on the outside. But on the inside, I was miserable. And I sat down and talked to a good friend of mine in AA who uh, was about the same age and about the same amount of sobriety. And what he had done, his name's Brad, and what he had done was gone back to school to become a nurse. And he was happy. And, and I had a long talk with him and he said, you know, I... The thing, Kevin, is that the people that taught us and mentored us in AA told us that, you know, this isn't a one hour a day gig. You know, this is an all all or nothing proposition. Right. And and these people committed their lives to helping others uh, in one way or another. And so he's like, I just realized that, you know, in, in the book, the big book, it says our job now is to be of maximum service to God and our fellows. And he goes, for me, that means you know, professionally as well. And so I ended up going back to school um, in January of 19, I'm sorry, 2008 and uh, starting a master's in marriage and family therapy and graduating in 2011. And now I'm marriage and family therapist and it works with families that struggle with addiction and codependency. I still do three to four meetings a week. I have a sponsor, we work the steps. And in May 5th of 2021, I'll celebrate 30 years sober. Congratulations. Thank you. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, the formula never changes. You go to meetings, you get a sponsor, you work the steps, and your life changes. I hear that so often. And <laughs> um, congratulations on, on going back to school and realigning your career. What an amazing gift to be able to be of service all day and in the program. Kevin, what does the reflection for today mean to you in your program? Begin where you are. You know, I think the the reason why I chose this, you know, initially when I saw Begin Where You Are, I was like, okay, what the heck does that mean? And then when I read the piece from the, the big book, you know, we feel that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. And that is the thing that you will hear me say over and over and over. I, I always tell people that Elimination of the drinking is it, that's the ticket to the show, you know. That's the, the cost to get into the show, and that's that's about. Well, if you take a look at the twelve steps, in the first half of the first step, it says we're powerless over alcohol, and that's the last time we talk about alcohol. That's it for the next eleven and a half steps. We're going to talk about something different, and we're going to talk about you, and how you behave, how you act, and how you treat people. Like one of the mentors that I had was a guy that passed away in 2005. His name was Don P in Aurora, Colorado. Don used to tell people that this exact thing, I, I can look great in a meeting. You know, I, I, I can say, I can drop bombs of wisdom and I can look like the, the most serene, coolest dude in the room. But the real question is, how do I operate at home? You know, and, and how do I operate at work? And, and, you, and he would invite people mm -hmm. into his home and say, you need to come see me. You need to come see how I actually operate. And he, he had a funny story. He had uh, his wife, and I think they had two or three daughters. And at one point, they were remodeling the house, and they had one bathroom. 
He's like, you need to come to my house at six or seven in the morning and, you know, see how we operate with one bathroom and four, three women and me, you know? <laughs> and I took that to heart. I, I took that to mean that quitting drinking was, again, it, it, was, it was the ticket to the show. But what really had to change was my behavior and, and, and how I interact with people and how I interact with people professionally and how I interact with people personally. That, uh, that's the challenge. You know, I mean, at, at 29 and a half years, I have to be totally blunt with you. And I don't mean to, I'm not, this doesn't mean to sound arrogant. Like I am immune from drinking and drugs because I don't believe that. I have a healthy respect for drugs and alcohol, but I don't think I'm going to wake up tomorrow with a margarita in my hand. I think what's going to happen is I'm going to start cutting corners. I'm going to start sneaking around at work. I'm going to start sneaking around at home. I'm going to start, you know, using white lies and cover stories. And that's where the real alcoholism mm -hmm. starts to play. Because now we're talking about the second half of the first step. My life is becoming mm -hmm. unmanageable. And instead of turning to God and asking for help, I'm going to start trying to manage it myself. And when I start doing that, I get closer and closer to drinking. And so what does your program look like today? You mentioned three or four meetings per week. Um, are you sponsoring men? Um, do, you, do you frequently come into contact with newcomers? Friday morning, Friday night, Saturday morning, Sunday morning. Um, I'm also a member of Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Families. So I do a meeting there, and I'm currently working the steps there. Um, we do it as a group um, in, a, in, a, in a format that's called Fellow Travelers, which is really fascinating. And then I have a sponsor, um, and his name is Will, and he's, uh, he's a great guy. And uh, my wife and I moved from Denver uh, to Jacksonville Beach, Florida, officially about a year and a half ago. And I kind of dabbled and played around. And, um, I, you know, Michael, I'm the kind of guy that <laughs> my, my first sponsor back in Los Angeles said, you should never be left unsupervised. <laughs> you know, I need direct supervision. And so I, I really became obvious to me that I needed to find a sponsor here in Jacksonville Beach and engage with him. But then I'll tell you what, man, and this is a testament to this part of the, the daily reflection, is that um, he and I were, were digging in at the beginning of the year and for like the first two months really started making some progress. And as soon as the pandemic hit, I went into lockdown mode. My my wife in 2018 was diagnosed with um, colorectal and kidney cancer, and I was in sort of full-on PTSD lockdown, you know, taking care of her, taking care of the situation, and then um, moving here. And then when the pandemic hit and people that have an, a, a challenged immune system were at high risk, which is her. I kind of assumed this guardian sentry position. Okay, that wasn't really what I was supposed to do. And it took me a couple months to get back into engaging with Will. And when I did, he, we started working the steps every week. And, you know, things have changed. I'm like, I've come back to earth. And, and uh, that's a big thing. Um, yes, I sponsor guys. Right now, I don't have anybody here in Florida. I have been doing a lot of speaking and I have been doing a lot of service work in the sense of, um, because I'm a mental health professional, mm -hmm. I tend to carry the message into the mental health profession a lot. Not so much trying to help other professionals get sober, but helping them understand um, the 12-step recovery program and understand Alcoholics Anonymous. This is a fascinating area for me. You know, as a uh, mental health professional, 
who comes into contact people that may or may not need access to Alcoholics Anonymous. How do you how do you find that line between speaking as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and speaking as a mental health professional? I'll tell you that uh, when I went back to school and when I started back in school in January of 2008, the woman that ran the central office in Denver um, was kind of an old, you know, a legend, you know, had been doing it for a long time. Her name was Joe. And I love Joe. And I mean, she's just one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And um, she actually uh, is a mental health professional as well. She just doesn't practice. And, and she got all her degrees, her bachelor, her master's, and I think her doctorate in social work while um, sober, you know. And, and um, so when I was in grad school, I wasn't working. And she, you know, <laughs> you know how AA service people are. She invited me to volunteer <laughs> at Denver Central Office, which was, hey, Wednesday, one o'clock. It's your slot. Be there next week. I'm like, right. Yeah, I'm on it. No problem. <laughs> yeah. And I was there for like two years. Um, you were voluntold. And one of the things when I was, in, when I told wow. her, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm in school. She's like, look, let's have, we need to have a conversation. And I was like, okay. And she said, I want to be clear with you. AA is AA. Work is work. They don't cross over. You're not doing mm. AA work in your mm-hmm. office, mm-hmm. wherever you, whether it's private practice, community mental health, I don't care where you're working, you're not doing AA, don't confuse the two. So many people get sober and they think, I'm gonna be a therapist, I'm gonna be a counselor, and I'm gonna spread the gospel of Alcoholics Anonymous. She said, that's not your responsibility. Therapy's therapy. And, and she was like, you'll learn in school, there's very strict guidelines and boundaries and you know things that you have to follow. And, and AA is AA. And, and I'll tell you that I actually said when I was in uh, grad school, because they ask you, who do you want to work with, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, and then they ask you, who don't you want to work with? And I said, oh, I don't want to work with alcoholics and addicts and their families. Those people are crazy. You know? <laughs> and that's all I do. You know, But I'm very clear with them where I'm coming from, that I'm in long-term recovery. Um, and I'll answer some questions. Um, I don't go to meetings with my clients. I don't, you know, I don't sponsor my clients. I don't interact with them on that level. Um, I, I will share a little bit of my Mm -hmm. experience, strength and hope, but I also help my clients understand that the method that I chose works for me. You know, you have to find the method that works for you. And, and as long as you're abstinent from mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol, and your life changes, you have my total support. Yeah, I hear it mm-hmm. so often that, you know, AA is not the only way for a person to alleviate the problem that they have with drugs and alcohol. And there are so many different ways. Yeah, um, I know that AA worked for me, and, and that's what I stick with. But um, so what do you tell newcomers? What do you tell uh, folks that you do encounter in the AA setting, not in the in the healthcare setting? What do you tell them when they ask about how to get sober? You know, I, I, feel, I thoroughly believe in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, the mantra that I believe in is um, go to meetings, get a sponsor, work the steps, and your life will change, and, and you'll stay sober. I, you know, so you know what's interesting is that we live literally across the street from 
um, a sober living. And <clears throat> one of the guys was leaving and going back to his home. And he was like, do you have any? And I, I walk all three dogs. We have three Boston Terriers. We have Bert, Blanche, and Stella. And we walk all three dogs, mm. and, and the dogs go over and say hi to the guys. They're kind of the unofficial you know, therapy dogs for this treatment program. And um, one of the guys is like, yeah, I'm going back home. And he's like, do you have any wisdom for me? And I was like, yeah. I said, ready? And he's like, yeah. I said, I don't care what's going on in your life. You go to meetings anyway. I said, I said look at me. I'm almost 30 years sober. I've been married mm. and divorced. I've been bankrupt. I've made a fortune. I've had houses foreclosed on, and I've bought many properties. Um, I've had property of prestige, and I've had I've lived on um, um, unemployment and student loans. My mom died. Um, you know, I've had traumatic calamity in my life. It never occurred to me to not go to meetings and to start drinking. I said, the thing when I always hear people that, that when, every time I know someone that goes out, what I hear is all of a sudden the community, and I don't, I don't mean you got to go to a meeting every day and call your sponsor every day. I mean the sense of community and the accountability that comes with that sense of community started to filter away. So it was, I wasn't calling my sponsor and mm -hmm. working the steps. I wasn't calling my boys. I wasn't going to the meetings. I wasn't hanging out with that crowd. I, I was just, because let's be, let's be honest, Michael, I'm so busy. You know, I am so busy. My first marriage came with a two and a three and a half year old. Okay. So I always hear people, Oh, you know, we have kids and I have a full-time job. You don't understand. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Those will be the first things to go. And, and, and so I always tell mm -hmm. people, you know, I don't care how busy you are. I don't care what's going on or why you, you go to meetings you get a sponsor and you work the steps and your life will change. Nothing gets in the way of mm -hmm. that. And, I mean, it's Great not advice. easy, but it works. Is there anything else you want to tell the audience before we begin to wrap up? Going back to the reflection, you know, uh, which I think is, is truly one of the great ones, um, to, for me at least, is that it's always easy to look good. I, I mean, I got sober in Los Angeles where people would spend hours in picking out outfits, going to meetings, you know, and, and let's be honest, that happens at every, everywhere, but it was LA, so it was kind of a show. Uh, and it was fun, but, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You know, what matters is that I show up and that I be genuine and authentic, as genuine and as authentic as I can be. At six months sober, my level of you know, authenticity and, and, you know, transparency was one thing. What it is today is totally different, you know, but I showed up and, and I, and then you know, you have to be willing to take the lessons you learn in Alcoholics Anonymous back into your personal life and back into your professional life and back into your friends and your family. You have to be willing to do that because the, the biggest challenge we have, it turns out quitting to alcohol and drugs isn't the hardest thing. The hardest thing is changing the way we live. 
And when we change the way we live and we get dependent upon a higher power and dependent and, and become part of a community, you know, uh, that's where the real change occurs. So powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, for me anyway, it's, it's working the steps in my life and, you know, the, having gone through the steps and getting to, to that 10th step, that ever critical 10th step, I think that's helpful. You know, that's that daily spot check inventory where I get to look at, you know, what I've done, how, what's my behavior like, and how is that aligned with the, the character defects that I exposed in the earlier steps? And am I, yeah. am I getting better about catching those defects of character before they uh, create havoc? You know, I think, on the, especially on the 10th step, one of the things one of my old sponsors taught me was that we all go through the day thinking, I'm fine. You know, everything's, I'm good. Everything's cool. I handled that just fine. Um, but he's like, I'm not looking for the giant bomb drop lie, you know, or the, or I stole a thousand dollars. I'm looking for the thing that you walked away from and you just had this inkling or this feeling like, I don't know if I did that right. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm, I'm not sure that was okay. He goes, that's where I want to talk about because the thing we do as addicts and alcoholics is we keep secrets. Mm -hmm. And when we start keeping secrets, that's when we start getting closer to the drink. Kevin, this has yeah. been a great conversation. I want to thank you for your time and for your service. Um, any any plugs or, or do you want to tell folks about the meetings oh. that you go to or please feel free? Uh, sure, 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 sure. I uh, Well, I do the seven at seven on Friday mornings, uh, with the, uh, the Philly, Virginia, uh, Florida crowd. Um, my sponsor, Will and his, his buddy, Louie and his buddy, Chris started this cool meeting. And I think those were offshoots of the, uh, the Saturday morning or the, the, I forgot what they call it, to be honest with you. There's a, there's a, there's a daily meeting. I think it's out of Philadelphia. Saturday Sunrise crowd. semester. Sunrise semester. <laughs> and, uh, I love those guys. I love it. Um, so we do that. For, I do that Friday morning, Friday night. We have the Atlantic Beach, no place I'd rather be meeting. Um, Saturday morning is the Philly men's meeting. Sunday morning at 10 a.m. is the uh, Atlantic Beach men's meeting. And then, um, you know, I start seeing clients uh, Tuesday through Friday. So to be totally blunt, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm on Zoom about six or seven hours a day. So to Zoom into another meeting it. and hear people talk about their stuff, it's like, I'm done. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, Kevin P., Jacksonville Beach, Florida, thank you so much for your time. I'll see you in the meetings. Hey, brother. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the content, please consider giving us a five-star rating. That would really help us get the message out. Tune in every day for the daily reflection, experience, strength, and hope. You can find us at www.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.